0: Yo, yo, yo. Episode number... Next episode, I don't know. I don't remember the number. But, I got another guest with me today. I got my guy Mike Harris from the Believe You Can podcast. He's my first repeat guest. So, we're going to talk a lot of football. We're going to try to keep it a little bit shorter than we did last time. We're going to talk about the Eagles. We're going to talk about the Steelers. We're going to talk about the Cowboys. We're going to talk about Le'Veon Bell. We're going to talk about the best defenses in the league. And we might talk a little MMA. Because... That is his real expertise. So we're going to get into that on the other side. So stay tuned. It's just a game, bro. It's just a what? It's just a game, bro. It's just a game, bro. To episode seventy-four of the It's Just a Game podcast, I am your host Chris Peel. Today I have my first repeat guest. I got the same guy I got last week when he was. We were talking Eagle Steelers. So our conversation was so good. A little long on the long side, so we're going to try to keep it to about an hour this time because we can, you know, how football fans are. We can get a little carried away when we're talking about our passion. So we're going to try to keep it a little bit shorter. But I brought it back to some good conversation. Welcome back, my host, Mike Harris. How you doing, man?
1: Good. How are you today?
0: I'm good, man. We got football. We got football on Sundays. We got two games on Mondays now. It's beautiful. So. Right, right. <laughs> So, let's start off with your team, which I know it made you happy, but I really believed in the Cleveland Browns, and I think we talked about that last time you were on my show, but I really thought the Cleveland Browns were for real, but maybe I'm learning that they're still a middle-tier team, and they're not quite ready for those big opponents. You see, they lost to Baltimore, and they've lost to you guys now, so maybe they're just good enough to beat the the mid tier teams the lower level teams, but once they play the top teams, they're not quite at that level yet and I think we learned that on on sunday so uh
1: yeah i i think I think it's a little bit of that but i I also think that um what we touched on on the last episode a little bit was the matchups it's the number one it was the number one rushing offense versus the number two rushing defense, and like who were we gonna see play better and like, what we've seen happen was the Steelers' defense forced the Browns to be more of a passing offense, and that's just not their identity. So it really, like, bit them in the ass in, in the game. But I, I still think the Browns have the ability to beat good teams. It's just going to be the good teams that don't have a super good rushing defense. Because the Steelers' secondary isn't great but when we when you can create pressure like they did and stop the run like they did it's it it forces the browns to play not to their advantage i guess you would say and right and uh i i feel like that's what the game came down to i i i still feel like they're a legit team it's just like the same thing with the ravens the ravens like give up points they give up a lot of passes but they're really good at getting rush like rushing the quarterback and stopping the rush attack so it's kind of like both their losses are to teams that are kind of like their kryptonite style. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um,
0: So I get what you mean because the third play of their possession, they threw in, uh, a pick six to make a six Patrick, and that was due to the pressure that they they got to Baker Mayfield. So I definitely agree with that. But, I mean, like you said, they fell behind. I mean, Pittsburgh got the ball. They went down and got a field goal. They threw a pick six. But before you know it, they're down 10 to nothing. So – Right away, and they they still tried to run the ball, but they couldn't really get going like they really wanted to. Like they were able to against like you know Dallas and and other teams that they played like uh, Cincinnati. Like they were able to just run it down their throats. Like a lot of times they have a team like you said that's constructed just like the Baltimore Ravens, and when they have to play from behind and they have to throw the ball, that's not really what they're built for. So it's pretty tough when you get them in that kind of situation. Yeah, it it was definitely a good game. Uh, I mean, at least
1: Minka got his first big play of the season, his first turnover. Um, but to move piggyback, since you brought up my team, I have to ask: after that, after your team's comeback <laughs> and in scoring the touchdown and being two points away from tying, what was the minds of calling a read option? <laughs>
0: Uh, I don't know. So what I heard, at least, was that they ran out of goal line plays. That's what I've heard from. Um, I think he did an interview on the radio, Doug Peterson, and he said they pretty much exhausted because they had so many red zone plays that they exhausted all of their plays. And I think something happened to where they were kind of short on time at the time, but they they still had a time out to use, which made no sense to me. But I don't know. I think that was just like a last resort play. But I think you should. When it was second down, I believe, and you know, okay, we're going in with Carson. We're going to run the sneak. But I feel like right there, you should already have in your mind, okay, this is where we're going to run in the two-point conversion. You shouldn't be. This is what happened with, with Doug now. like In 2017, he was prepared for everything. He was always ahead of things. When it was third down and he knew it was fourth fourth and one, fourth and two, it could be fourth and six. It didn't matter. Doug already knew the play. Like He already knew what he was about to do. Lately, the last couple of years, he hasn't been as sharp, and that's why our fourth down, our third down conversions are not as good as they were three years ago because it's all – we Robbie's, like, scrambling around trying to find a play. He's looking at the plate, but, okay, and then we're running out of time. We have to call timeout, and then, like, you, you have to catch him, like, right there. You can't – you know, once you – like, once, once it takes forever, you really can't catch the team off guard. So, and once they prepare – it's pretty easy to stop. And plus, like you said, a read option to Boston Scott. I mean, that, that's just. They knew it
1: was spot. going to Carson. They, they, like with Boston Scott in the backfield, they knew it was going to Carson. And, and right. And, and on top of that, like they. I know the game was like a rough game early on, but they did so well getting chunk plays and like involving the playmakers up until that point. I was I was literally like, I'm not an Eagles fan. I'm a Dallas and a Steeler fan, you know, first. But I was I've already turned the the Steeler game off at that point because I was just like, yeah, this is just going to be garbage time plays now. And, and I was watching that game and because of the comeback and when it got to that point, I was like, "Oh, this is about to be an awesome finish. Like they're about like, it's about to go to overtime because with the, like there are so many things that that offense could have did. I know you guys are short on playmakers. Miles Sanders got banged up in that game and a few other things, but there were so many things, especially like Travis Fulgham, which we talked about last time. He had another, like, he right. looked, looked like he wasn't going to do great and then stepped
0: up huge at the end of the game.
1: Why not go right back
0: game. to him? Right, right. I, I agree. I mean, if you look, we did four uh, two-point conversions, and two of them we passed on. One was uh, to J.J. White side, and one was, I think, to Ward. It was like, a, like a, a nice, I think it was like a nice road route or something. He ended up getting open on the bootleg. And the two that we ran on, we didn't get. So... I just felt like when your best player is your quarterback, put it in his hands. Like, don't – not want to run. it. I mean, if he has to run it, but at least put him in the backfield, let him decide what he wants to do. Like, that read option was just the worst call possible. And it was poorly executed as well. I mean, they had two players just running free. Like, on the read option, you can leave one guy unblocked. You can't leave two guys unblocked because – you know, you have to force that one guy that's unblocked to make a decision. It's, exactly. It's, it was just terrible like, I mean, all the way around. If they wanted to if they wanted to go the read
1: option route, they could have at least threw, thrown in like a read option RPO to where if right. Carson's seen, oh, two guys are coming free, then I know I got the slant right across. Like, because the guy coming free would have been the guy dropping back to cover the slant, so it's one-on-one with the cornerback. That's like perfect, perfect for Travis Fulgham. And it, it, that that decision just blew my mind. I literally got mad not even being an Eagles fan because I feel <laughs> I felt like we were robbed as fans of a, like right. a great overtime
0: game. Exactly. Like I would have. I mean, I know this is going to sound weird, but against Cincinnati, the tie was a terrible outcome. But I would have taken a tie against Baltimore. Like for real. Like that would have been a win to me. Like. I, I, I agree. I think this. if
1: you guys would have tied against Baltimore, the storyline wouldn't have been about, like, the play calling for the two. It would have been like, oh, are the Eagles improving because they went from getting smashed by
0: these teams to tying with Baltimore. Exactly. I mean, I think our last two weeks have been pretty good. I mean, we played. Oh, for you, sure. Yeah, like, you guys have one of the best divisions. I mean, between you, the, the AFC North and the NC West are probably the two best divisions in football. And we have to play both those divisions this year, which kind of is brutal. And that's probably why we're not going to have as good of a record this year. But I just think the last two games, we played really well. I think Carson Wentz has played well. He had a fumble early. But early in the game, if you saw, like, the Miles Sanders touchdown, that should have been a touchdown. The, the John John Hightower play on the third play of the game, that's at least been a catch. So it's his offensive line was terrible. Like, we don't have an offensive line right now. So... It's not really much that he has to work with.
1: Yeah, and on the on the plus side for Eagles fans that listen to this, and you, you guys are probably gonna win the division after we seen Andy Dalton play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's that, that was tough. And three points, honestly, with with right. Zeke, Amari, Ceedee Lamb, M- Michael Gallup, y- like y- Tony Pollard was even playing super good. Like you, you can't score three points with that offense like that, that it is going to be a shit show in Dallas this year. Uh-huh. I, I I agree. It's, um, it's going to be bad. I think it also added to uh Dak Prescott's worth. Like it kind of like, like with them scoring three points going from one of the, one of, if not the most high powered offense to yeah. scoring three points, it kind of goes, Oh, like das, Pre- Dak Prescott was that good. Like he, he was
0: that good. Yeah, I mean, I would never, like, admit this, but I will say after, you know, deck went down and I saw we lost another game, I saw, like, our schedule, I'm like, I mean, the Dallas Cowboys should still be good because, but look all the weapons that Andy don't have to work with. When you're a quarterback, all you really have to do is play point guard. You just got to give it to your playmakers. I mean, they have one of the best wide receiver trios in the league. So you have that many playmakers and you have one of – I mean, I don't know. Zeke's still a top five running back. I mean, he's still at least top ten. So, But with all of them weapons, you would think you would still be able to, you know, beat the Arizona Cardinals at home. And I know the Arizona Cardinals are a really good team. They're solid, but like you said, there's no way you There were so many way. missed
1: chances. I mean, they still might have won the game in the long run because of Andy Dalton, but... Early on, that we our defense was forcing them to punt. We weren't giving up points until like the turnovers from Zeke happened, and then the, and then Dalton not moving the ball at all. But um, I, I know you're an Eagles fan, so I was I was curious when you asked me to come on to get your perspective on this, if you even heard about it. Did you hear about the Mike McCarthy uh, like um, anonymous reports from te- like people in the locker room that were supposedly starters? came out and like leaked the anonymous report that Mike McCarthy has no idea what he's doing, has no game planning. Like they're totally lost as a team in and, and this was in the end the report said this has been going on for six weeks, but because of our love for back, we didn't, you know, we didn't want to step up and cause a fuss in the locker room.
0: Um, I mean, it, it makes sense, but I also, I don't know. Anonymous reports to me really, Like make no difference because I mean that that could be anybody that could be a guy that's just maybe he's disgruntled because he's not playing enough so like you really don't know where this quote unquote anonymous source comes from so I never really putting a lot of stock into anonymous like quotes or anything it really means nothing to me but it might be true I mean who knows I mean it's the reason Mike McCarthy is not with Green Bay anymore so yeah I I I think not to stick on the topic too
1: long but I think it's true I think it's true only because the uh the one reporter that the reporter that released it she like has when she usually does she's like obviously the Dallas reporter and when she oh, gets wow. when she releases stuff it's always from like the starting roster on Dallas the other people that like get interviews and stuff like that are usually with other reporters. Like she's like the big time one. So it like there, that's why a lot of the people and like analysts and shows and stuff are running with that narrative right now and talking about it. So I was just wanted your opinion on it. And I, I personally think that to be honest, I think that it's going to be someone like Amari Cooper that said that or like, because he, he's great, but he dipped on, the Raiders, or, or got traded by the Raiders, so he already and they and and uh, the coach for the Raiders already said that, like you know, he was he's a great football player, but he his mental and all this and like that was some of the issues plus his contract, but like and, and then the fact that he came to Dallas like expecting to win a Super Bowl, he's probably not too happy with his position, and then the fact that he came into a Jason Garrett offense had tremendous success and then got switched to Mike McCarthy's offense and now they're doing horrible. I feel like he's the one player that w- would speak up in this instance because everyone else kind of they they they're either new on the team and they just they know like oh we're gonna suck or they <laughs> like or they're out like you know like Amari like CeeDee Lamb's new Michael Gallup like he didn't have like a super good year like Amari Cooper did it with Jason Garrett. Dax out, Zeke's having a terrible year. Uh like there there's so many instances like that. I feel like it, if it were to be spoken up, it would probably be like Amari Cooper or Zeke because they're just in this system, they're so they're used so different that they're not as effective.
0: Yeah, that, that I mean that would make sense though. So. But yeah, because I remember there was uh, anonymous sources last year about Carson Wentz. And then we were all trying to put the pieces together. Like, okay, this definitely sounds like Alshon Jeffrey because we can tell his numbers aren't as good as they used to be. So that sometimes you just have to put two and two together. And we always say people will tell you what they're like. They will tell you what kind of person they are. You just have to believe him. You have to – if you really pay attention to a team, you can pretty much tell, like, okay, it looks like he's the kind of guy that will say something like that. So that, that wouldn't make sense.
1: Yep, yep. So, uh,
0: I don't know. I just had I'm, – I'm glad, I'm glad Dallas is struggling because <laughs> as bad as we're playing, I still would like to win the division. You guys and, are going to win. Yeah, even if we don't win the division, I'd rather it be Washington or the Giants or something. I don't want Dallas to go to the playoffs. Like, I still remember a couple of years ago. Remember in 2014 when Dallas had that great year with Tony Romo and DeMarco Murray in and them? And DeMarco Murray was, was the, the leading rusher in the NFL. We had yeah, freaking yeah. – the all star team. Yeah, I remember yes. that year. <laughs> and that was the year that, you know, the Dez caught it. The Dez dropped it, like that um that playoff game against Green Bay. And I remember when he caught when when they initially said that he caught the pass, I just remember sitting there thinking, like, is Dallas really about to make the conference championship game? Like it just put a knot in my stomach to think that they were about to have any type of success because it really just pains me to see Dallas do good. I really don't I know it makes it sound like a hair, but as hey, fan, I, I can't stomach to watch it. Like it's it It's
1: fine. I I I grew up more like I I don't know. Like I like my favorite teams were always Dallas and Pittsburgh. But I grew up more of like a fan of good teams. You know, like I like I just love watching good football. So like like the year that that Carson was having his MVP performance, and then Nick Foles come in and win a Super Bowl and all that stuff. Like I. I I admi- like I loved and admired watching the Eagles that year, so don't bother me. But the one team in our division that does bother the fuck out of me is is the New York Giants. I don't know why, unless <laughs> they're playing Tom Brady. Like when they're playing Brady, I'm always root yeah. for the Giants. But if they're playing anybody else, I just, I love seeing them do horrible. Like I even pick Washington against them. So and I lost by one point, but hey.
0: Yeah, it's. Um... I know Washington is just they're in a weird phase right now, very transition. So speaking of weird transitions, we can you know go to this team, Tua. I finally I was waiting name Tua Tagovailoa. We'll call him Tua, (laughs) but. The thing is, I didn't really want them to start him because I didn't want to learn how to pronounce this guy's name. So, but I finally was like, okay, I'm look at it, I'm look at it, I'm look at it, and I'm really good with pronouncing people's names. But his name, I just really always struggle with for some reason. So, but do you think it was the right decision to start to it at this time?
1: Absolutely not. Like you, all right, Ryan. I know Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't the franchise guy. But if you look at the last four to five games of last season combined with the first six games this season, the dude is on a roll in Miami. Like Miami. It, through six games, he has 1,535 passing yards, 12 total touchdowns, and the Dolphins are in second place in the AFC East. There is no reason that man should be benched right now. And another thing, another reason why I would even if you wanted to roll with Tua for like like right now in the season, Wait wait yeah. until after the the game after the bye week because Tua is now going into a bye week as the starter and he comes out of the bye week making his first start against the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. That is um, that is a horrible first matchup. <laughs> <laughs> that that is. They uh wait are you they played the Ravens. I'm looking on description now. But like played. It might be one. It might be a different good team. But I. I thought it was the Ravens. Looks like it's the Rams. Oh yeah. The okay. The Rams. So.
0: uh Yeah, it's still pretty good. I mean, you got Jalen Ramsey, and
1: that is my the R's yeah, me, got me. Rams, yeah,
0: yeah, he was talking about it, yeah. So, you know, you got Aaron Donald, you got Jalen Ramsey, you got uh uh, Leonard Floyd over there. It's it's
1: gonna be tough, so actually, as a defense, I would probably be more worried about Tua versus that versus Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey than
0: I would be against the Ravens. Big, yeah, for for sure, yeah, yeah. But the Ravens have a good all around defense, there. I mean, we saw firsthand how good their defense was, we couldn't do anything for five possessions until we bought Jalen Hurts and got that, that one play. So
1: Yeah, but they, I mean, they are good, yeah. but I just – the Ravens, they they have – I don't know what their issue is on defense, but they have – like, they do so great stat-wise. Like, if you look at the stats, they have great, like, yards allowed, like uh, average yards per play, catches allowed, et cetera, et cetera. But when you look at the games, they always give up points. So, like – and, and – I feel like the Ram the Rams are a team that ain't they're not great on defense, but they they get a lot of sacks and they turn the ball over. And I feel like for a young quarterback that is making his first start in the NFL, it's it's going to be a field day for that defense, unless if he's like the second coming of Michael Vick. <laughs>
0: right, right. But man, I, man, I don't think I like... don't see it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, I um the Rams. I think we talked about this last time. You didn't really think the Rams were legit because, one, all their wins have come against the NFC East. I mean, that doesn't impress me at all. And we saw how they played against San Fran, and San Fran just got smoked by Miami, and then they come on Sunday night. And that's why I had an episode like last week, and I said, whatever you think you know, you don't know. Like, you see San Fran get smoked by Miami, and you think, oh, they're going against the Rams on prime time. They're going to get smoked by them too. And then what do they do? They turn around, and they they run the ball down their throats, and Jimmy G had three touchdowns, and you just –
1: you just don't know anything
0: like you really like week to week. You don't know nothing about the NFL. I,
1: yeah, the, I agree 100 percent there. The the only reason I feel like the Rams are going to pose a threat to Miami, though, it, with Tua starting, I think Fitzpatrick would make it a way better game as a whole. But with with Tua starting, I mean, they let up the you know, like the, the Rams, they uh, they had a close game against the Bills that they lost by three. They got they lost to the 49ers twenty-four-sixteen 16 in a in a game that like shouldn't have been that hard because Jimmy G looked horrible the week before. Uh, be terrible. And, and but the the thing is like when they play bad teams or good teams, like I, I feel like it's more of like that Browns Steelers type thing. Like if they have a team that lines up to their to their scheme and like the way that they play no matter how good that team is on either side of the ball they can play with them like the bills the bills were a structured team like that against the rams it's going to be a good game every game even if the bills are blowing out better teams than the rams are
0: right right i mean i've never really been a fan of jared Goff. i've always said to me he's the most overrated quarterback in the league i've never really I never really saw it, but that's i I,
1: th- I think the uh the lowest scoring super Bowl uh proved that,
0: yeah, for sure, yeah. I just <laughs> yeah, even before that I was just like i I just don't see He's great. like i remember I remember in the 2016 draft and you know they had the number one pick, and they would say, okay, they're going to draft golf, we're going to draft wins, and I remember just being nervous like I hope they don't change their mind to draft wins because I do not want to stick with golf like, I don't want them at all so like, so I'm, I'm glad they stuck with their pick. But going back to the uh the Dolphins, though, so, I mean, we've seen this before. We know Ryan Fitzpatrick was just a placeholder. We saw it with John Kittner and Carson Palmer. John Kittner played well in 03. Then 04, they decided, okay, we're going to go with Carson Palmer. We saw it with Eli Manning and Kurt Warner. We saw it with Patrick Mahomes and Alex Smith. Like, we, we've seen this before. So we, we knew it was coming eventually. But it is weird timing. I mean, most of the time, you just pretty much wait. Like, Mitchell Trubisky. You're going to wait. Okay, we're going to bench you. You're going to be in a really, really short lease. If you had one bad game or a bad quarter, you're out of there. They didn't even wait. They just like tell, okay, you're playing really well. Now we're going to take you out. I just really think it was strange to take him out at this moment when he's actually playing really, really well. You, you know what I, th- I, with you saying that
1: and a few of my other friends having this conversation, obviously off air, um, I, I think that this was the plan from week one. I think they said, listen, Fitzy, like as long as Tua is doing what we need him to do in practice week to week. Uh, by the bye week, you're 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 going to be the, the backup.
0: Yeah, that's that, that would make sense, but um, I don't know, it's, it's just yeah, I guess that would make more sense. It's, it's it's, it, time that's the me. only I just... thing that adds up in
1: my head. Like, like when you have when you have a team. That has been that bad the last few seasons, and now you got a quarterback that's finally winning games and against team. It's not even winning games against like the Jets. It, they beat San Fran. They, they beat a couple of good teams that everyone went, oh, like we didn't expect Miami to win that game, like and right. And then you bench him, like for a, for a guy that's never started. I could see if they signed like like Cam Newton and, and he didn't go to the Patriots or something, and then you're like, okay, well we got to play Cam. But, like, for a guy that's never started in the NFL, it's, it's just kind of mind-blowing to me. So the only thing that adds up in my head. You can't fix the economy until you fix the COVID crisis. I laid out Sir, back
0: in March. Exactly... <laughs> okay. I don't know what that was. Okay.
1: <laughs> I just okay. are Donnie talking.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was looking at the, uh, the Dolphins' schedule, and it just – some ad came yeah, up. So yeah, whatever. But,
1: that's that's the only thing that I that I that adds up in my head to why this happened like this, because with as good as he's playing, I don't think that any head coach, general manager, anything would bench that quarterback unless if they unless if Ryan Fitzpatrick was already in on it and already knew, OK, week seven by week. That's my last day. I got to ball out till then. So I get signed by a different
0: team next year. Yeah, for sure. I am. Um... Yeah. I mean, that would make the most sense. Maybe that's why we've I'm seen him perfect.
1: doing so good too, because he, it kind of, it was that moment where he was like, Oh, I got to show my worth before the bye week. It's not a long game. Uh-huh. Long, it's not the long game we're playing here. It's, it's, I get six
0: games and, and I gotta, I gotta win games. Right. Um, we've seen that before as well, because I remember Drew Brees with the, um, with the, the chargers, he was terrible for like three years and then, then they drafted Philip Rivers. As soon as they drafted Philip Rivers, Drew Brees decided, you know what, I'm going to be a good quarterback now. And then that made it hard for them to actually put Philip Rivers in because Drew Brees was playing so well. Then they just, you know, once he became a free agent, he got he injured his shoulder. And they finally it was easy to make the decision at that point. But like you, like it's it's, it's tough though. Like you know, we've seen like Aaron Rodgers when they were already had um, uh, Brett Favre. So like we've seen it before, and you can't really have like you need a good backup quarterback. But when you draft a guy in the first round. I mean, that started pretty much conceded writing on the wall. But like you said, it's weird because they're a game behind the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills have lost two in a row. They're right there for the taking. It's not like they're in the division with the Tom Brady Patriots anymore. Like, this is not, this is not 2008 or 2009 or 2010. This is not that Patriots team. This is not that AFC East no more where it's just Bill Belichick and Tom Brady running the division. You actually have a chance to win the division this year. Yeah. Right? It's just really tough to do with a rookie quarterback. I I agree. That's that's why it blew my
1: mind. Like it, it, it's not only a winnable division this year. It's a division that, with the way the Bills are going, I honestly could have seen the with the way that they have been playing the last three weeks. If they kept that up, I feel like they could have like very well been the lead of the division in the next couple weeks because Buffalo just. I I I I know they played some tough teams, but. Even against the uh, Chiefs, other teams that weren't as good of a passing offense have been able to pass on the Chiefs, like, in, they couldn't do anything on the Chiefs. So, like, to me, the last three weeks, Buffalo's trending down, Miami's trending up, and they're in second place.
0: Why change what's working? Yeah. But to speak on Buffalo, it's weird because their last two games have been the strangest two-game stretch ever because – they got blown out by Tennessee. But if you actually watch the game, they were pretty much in that game the whole time until like the very end. But if you then, if you watch the Chiefs game, it looks like a close score, but you could tell they were never really in that game. I mean, they, they couldn't get in. They got a touchdown early, they got a field goal early, then they got a touchdown. And then after that, it was over. Like, I mean, the Chiefs yeah. pretty much just controlled that game the whole time. And not time. to speak, the touchdown was a bad throw that was an
1: amazing catch by Stephon Diggs. But yeah, like, it was. so yeah. It, it, it's. Like, to me, we talked about this last time I was on. It's all it, – it. no matter how many good people you got around you, it comes down on the quarterback's shoulders. And is Josh Allen really that good? Or were they playing teams that, that fit the scheme of his offense? Like, were they playing teams that he didn't really have to worry about speed on defense? He could roll out and run if he needed to. He could dump off if he needed to. When now he's playing teams that like like the Kansas City Chiefs, not a great defense, but you know what they can do good. They can rush the quarterback decently good. They do have good speed on like their front seven and they swarm to the ball like they give up a lot of completions. They give up a lot of yards, but they don't. They don't yeah. give up a lot of run after catch. They they are very good at swarming to the ball. So if you're a team that takes dump offs and, and check downs the whole game, like like Alan tried to do in between the big chunk plays, they're gonna swarm. Yeah. They're gonna swarm and they're gonna make you go three and out almost every time.
0: And we've seen that. Yeah, they're a good tackling team, especially you got Teron Matthew back there roaming around. So um, but I mean, they got the Jets next week, and they got New England. So I mean, you would think you can get back on the winning, the winning stretch. You got New England at home. Then after that, you got. They'll Seattle, definitely
1: so. beat the Jets. New England's a toss-up. Like you, I mean, the New England for the through the first three weeks, yeah, they lost some, but they looked like a team that you were like, oh, okay, there's there's definitely something here. Now, yep. returning though from the COVID situation with Cam, he didn't look that great. But to be said, like he, they lost. He had some bad throws late in the game, but he was very efficient. He he had a very efficient like I think he only threw a few incompletions in the game. So it it's it's like a it's like a game literally the oldest saying in the book. It's a game of inches, and <laughs> like with a few minor adjustments, I mean I think the Cam the the Patriots led by Cam could be a very dangerous team, but they just don't have it together. Yeah, they they don't.
0: Yeah, they they don't have any weapons, man. I, like Julian Elliman is nice. He's not a nice a weapon, He's no. a nice receiver. Not a,
1: not he he's he's more of like that. Okay, this is third
0: and six. I need a first down. Go to Julian. But, right, right, yeah, like I, I'll get you seven. I'll get you eight. You know, he, he's he's a nice he's a nice little Danny Amendola and Danny Amendola player. He's, he's yeah, cool, but man. outside of him, I mean, their their best receivers are who uh,
1: Nikhil, Nikhil Harry. Harry and. Uh, bird like in in oh yeah. bird. and yeah, yeah. i i the and they they had i think what they're where we seen success with them early in the year was sony michelle could really pound the rock and then mixing in james white and rex burkhead was very successful now with sony michelle out it, it kind of like like james white and rex burkhead are not three down backs so it, it doesn't and they're Super similar all. styles, so it doesn't work at
0: all. No, it, it doesn't. And they got they got San Fran coming up this week, so I mean, they could possibly fall to two and four, which is weird to think that the New England Patriots could be two games under five hundred. I mean, it's it's strange. To think I think
1: about. I think one of the weird ones though too is San Fran. How good were they last year? Like consistently, too. They weren't, it wasn't just like, oh, here's spots of greatness. Here's the like, like they were every week. It was like, oh, great, we're going to San Fran, like crap. And this year, it they have like, like they, they one week they look like a team that's going to win the Super Bowl, and then the next week they look like they should be 0 16.
0: Yeah, for sure. They look like the 05, uh, San Francisco 49ers at certain points. But, um, yeah, because I have my um, guy Gabe on. He's a 49 fan, fan. He was saying last year they were, like, three plays away from being undefeated. I mean, like, you look at the Falcons game, the Ravens game, and I forgot what their other loss was. I forgot what their third loss Whatever their third loss was, it was, like, really a close game as well. And you just think about it. Like, they really were, like, that close to being, you know, usually you have a bad game. But, you know, it's usually, okay, we deserve that bad game. We Like, Green Bay got smoked last week. But, that that game was never close. They were up 10 to nothing at one point, And then after that pick six, it was just all downhill from there. So, um but speaking of that though, we have four defenses who are like historically great defenses that are actually playing really, really well right now. So we got a uh, Tampa Bay, we got Chicago, we got Pittsburgh and we got, we got Baltimore. So like, who do you think the best defense is out of like those uh, three teams? You're unbiased. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're unbiasedly. Uh,
1: I I think Pittsburgh's the best, but I I think I think we're gonna see that unfold. You know, we're gonna we're gonna see that unfold a bit. I think I think that undoubtedly Tampa Bay has played the the tougher talent, and they definitely showed that they were a legit defense last night or not last night but Sunday uh, against. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess Aaron Rodgers because he threw two interceptions, first two of the year. Had uh, he finished with three points in fantasy, he looked horrible Ooh. against that defense. But it, 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 we've also seen that defense give up some points too. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm just a little curious to see how that plays out. I feel like the Steelers, you know what, like unlike the other defenses that are mentioned in those top four, you know what you're going to get with Pittsburgh. They don't have a great secondary they have an amazing front seven, a makes run stop and an amazing pass rush. So if you, if they're able to uh efficiently and effectively apply those, the, the front seven, it's going to be a tough week against any team for any team to play against Pittsburgh. But if they can like, like, Philly in in the second half of that game. If they can figure out, okay, like pass protect here, this guy's getting through. Like give a little extra help here, and then you start getting quick passes out, and you start moving the ball. That's where the Pittsburgh Steelers are in trouble. The other three though are kind of up in the air. Like they have, like they're super good, no doubt, and they they should make up the top four defenses. But like they're they've also had like some really bad games and not not that like n- just not that great consistent overall and and you just know what you're going to get with pittsburgh that, that's all i got to say about that
0: <laughs> right right i know um but you know you said you guys will have a great secondary but it's going to be probably a hot take but i don't think having a great secondary matters as much in this era because the way the rules are constructed, so if you have a good front seven, and especially a good front four, if you can. It's all about the quarterback. Like literally, the whole league is about the quarterback. You you need a quarterback. You need somebody. You need tackles that can protect the quarterback, and you need defensive ends that can get to the quarterback. That's all it's about. Like so, if you can disrupt the quarterback, like the way the rules are, you can't touch the receivers anyway. You do anything, it's a passing interference. It's an illegal contact. It's a it's it's a defensive holding. Everything is a penalty. So. To me, it's like you working on your front seven. Like you can have a great defense if you have a great front seven and a average to below average secondary. Like you don't need Darrell Revis and, and Stephon Gilmore. You don't need great corners. Like at least in my opinion, I don't think I. That.
1: I mean, yeah, I would. I would definitely agree there because we've seen some of the better quarterbacks have issues with that this season already. I mean, uh, Las Vegas ain't a great defense, but they got pressure on the homes, caused tons of issues. Uh, exactly. Exactly. You, you know, Jared. Uh, Josh Allen, not Jared. I don't, I keep wanting to call him Jared Allen from the defensive end from the Vikings. <laughs> uh, Josh Allen, he oh, Joe, I was thinking of the center from the Nets. Oh, time. yeah, yep, yep. Uh, Jared oh. Allen was number 69, he was like a free pass rusher, yeah, back yeah, in the day. but yeah, but him. yeah, he, I, I think, I agree with you, but at the same time, like. I, I think the, a point that you made about the penalties there is comes into how good a defense is. If your front seven is super good, but you're, you're constantly getting penalties from your secondary because of holding and stuff, then it's going to make your defense look so much worse. And I, and I'm agreeing with you here. I'm just adding to your point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a good defense could be great with a good, with a great front seven and a, crappy secondary if they're disciplined secondary. If they're if they don't make the the stupid penalties and the stupid mistakes and they just play simple defense and let the front seven carry the load, I agree there. Uh where I don't agree with Pittsburgh though is I I I think their their secondary is is Bad enough that it's going to make a difference with playing against the elite teams. I, I I think our front seven is great. I think losing Devin Bush is huge impact on our on our efficiency against like tight ends, especially. Uh, but when it comes down to teams that can protect the 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 pass rush it's it's going to be trouble for that secondary i mean i know we got joe hayden mike hilton stevie nelson minka fitzpatrick and those names would make you think like on paper that secondary is going to be good but the the issue is stevie nelson's a man quarterback a cornerback uh joe hayden's a zone cornerback minka fitzpatrick's more of like he he was a cornerback that transitioned to safety so he is more of a ball player than a roaming, like, okay, like I cover this whole zone of the field. He's more of like a lock in, like, okay, like this play, I'm going to cover Juju. And if the ball goes to him, I'm picking this ball. Like, and, and like, so I think that's a big issue we're seeing this year with the Steelers defense because they're kind of making Minka and others take the roles that they're not used to. Like, they're making Minka instead of be like a lockdown guy, like, okay, this side, this is mine. They're more like, okay, you, you kind of got to defend everything and watch for everything, and and that's why we're not seeing Minka do as great.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. It definitely does – the scheme does matter. I mean, you can – that's why a lot of teams, they take these cornerbacks, you're like, okay, he's a cover three corner. Like, we got Byron Maxwell thinking he was going to just be, you know, our lockdown corner, and then we – then we realize he's not that guy. I and mean, he's a good corner. He's a good number two or probably number three corner, but he's not a great number one cornerback. And, I mean, we saw – even back in – I can go back to 2011. At one point, we had Namdi Asamoah, Dominique Rodriguez-Cromartie, and Asante Samuel all in the same secondary. And our defense was terrible. Like, And going into the year, you would think, oh, we're going to lock down everybody. We're going to give up 20 passing yards a game. Like, we're going to give up any, nothing. So – it just sometimes it it just doesn't matter how good your secondary is on paper because if they don't fit the scheme, it schemes just doesn't matter.
1: matter so much, especially at that high of a level. You see it every game. Like I, as a fan, when I'm watching every team, I see one to two guys every game where I'm just like they're so out of place and they're so good, but they're so misused. And and it's right. it's it's a it's upsetting to see, but it more so like it's like. It's like, just let the guy, like, look at Minka when he got, when he traded and got, and came into Pittsburgh last season. They, he didn't have time to learn the scheme and the system. So they were kind of just like, you do what you do. Like, you, we were happy to have your contribution to the team. Now, this year, they're kind of like, okay, it's your second year. You got to know the playbook. You got to know the scheme. You can't just like roam around and play how you want to play. Now, he's not doing great. Right. Right. It's, it's alarming to me because, nothing's going to change throughout the season with that you you know we might see a game or two that's good from minka here and there we might see a game or two like like uh sunday i keep on to say last night because i'm so used to doing these on monday but uh right um, right. (laughs) you, you might see a game or two good from the secondary that shut down like a baker mayfield passing offense but other than that you're not going to see like consistency from that team or from my team. especially like, that's why I, I like, I'm not trying to bash on my team, but at the same time, I'm not like, like bleacher report, put them at first in the power rankings. I'm sorry, but I would put the chiefs over them, even though they have a loss. I would put the Tennessee Titans over them and I would put the Seattle Seahawks over them in the power rankings. Steelers should be fourth. And like, like yeah. I, I just don't – I don't know why people are getting so high on the Steelers, and I don't like that anyway. The years that we win the Super Bowl is the years that we barely make the wild card, and everyone thinks
0: that we suck. So, Right, right. You know, I'm, I'm actually glad you brought up the Chiefs because I know, you know, after their loss against the Raiders and you know, everyone's, well, oh, what's wrong with the Chiefs? What's wrong with them? They're not playing as well this year. But I'm looking at them like they – they still look good to me. I, I still would definitely pick them as the Super Bowl favorite, and I don't know if everyone just expects every team to go undefeated. But yeah, what I don't, I don't understand. Like most teams, you know, even if a, a good season is still going, you know, thirteen and 12 and four, so you're going to have a couple of losses. So I think maybe it was just the fact that they lost to the Raiders at home, so everyone was hitting the panic button. But like, like you said, I still look at the Chiefs. I still see a good tackling team. I still see, in it, just not Le'Veon Bell. And, I, and then they found Le'Veon Bell, but then the rookie, uh, Edwards Hilaire, he said, like, I'm not giving up this job that easy. He, he went out there and ran for, I think, about seventy, I believe. So, I mean, the offensive line is still good. I mean, they still have uh, DeMarcus Robinson. still have Tyreek Hill. Still got the best tight end in the league. You know, they're he's probably 1A and 1B with George Kittle. So, I and I'm still going to go to my grave thinking that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. So, I'm – I will pick I, I agree. Um, to add to your point,
1: I, I think, you know, a lot of fans have that perception. Oh, they're not doing as good as they were last year. They're not doing as good as they were the year before that, etc. Yeah, they're okay. not. But I think it's I think it's on purpose. I think that they simplified the system and went, hey, Pat, do you want to have to keep coming back in all these games or do you want to like not? score a touchdown in seven seconds, give the offense another chance to score again, and then play in a shootout every single game? Do you want to be more efficient and, like, have a system where you can score three touchdowns and win a game? Like, and, and that's what we're starting to see right. from the Chiefs. We're, we're not, we don't have, to like, like, even winning the Super Bowl last year, they weren't that great defense. Like, as a team, as Patrick Mahomes, he was, like, in the offense weapons, they were great. As a team, I mean, they, look how many points that they gave up and how they fell behind against the Titans, against Houston, again, in, in the Super Bowl. Like they, they fell behind against most teams last year, and then Pat Mahomes had to go into a shootout and win the game for them. This exactly. year, they kind of reversed that, and they, they're taking the load off Patrick Mahomes, and they're going, you can still be great, but let's just win football games and not have to have shootouts and stressful games every week.
0: Right, you've seen that with Russell Wilson. I mean, luckily he didn't have a stressful week because he had a bye <laughs> week. But every single 40. game he has to score thirty five, thirty seven, forty points, and it's just it's not good in the long. It, it's, it's not, easy. and and it's not going to work against
1: the elite teams. The only reason we've seen it work against the elite teams for the Chiefs last year is because of Patrick Mahomes. I don't care if you would have put Russell Wilson on that Chiefs team, I don't think they would have won that Super Bowl. I think Patrick – I agree with your point. Like, I think Patrick Mahomes is by far the best quarterback. And I I, I just don't – like, Russell's great, don't get me wrong. There's other quarterbacks that could definitely make it to the Super Bowl or make it to the playoffs with that Chiefs team. But I don't think that they would have Week to week last year, they would go down, and then Patrick Mahomes would put up 40 points and win the game. Like, and and it's just I don't think we would we would see other quarterbacks do that week to week, especially in the playoffs. Like they literally had a streak in the in those playoffs last year, leading to the Super Bowl, of being down in every single game.
0: Yeah, it was crazy. Like the um, the Tennessee game, and the, the Houston uh, the, game the Houston was yeah, that was that was crazy. I'm thinking like, is Houston really about to beat them? Are we really about to see it? Houston and Tennessee AFC Championship game? Like this is this is odd, but but luckily they came back and we got the Super Bowl that we that we wanted to see. I really wanted to see the Niners and the um the Ravens though. I really wanted to see that one. But I'll take the Chiefs as well because I love watching the Chiefs. I love watching oh. my Mahomes. I love watching Tyree Hill run. It's like And now adding on really Bell fun, to that
1: fun offense. Like it's literally fun to watch them hey. play. Like it, it brings back the joy of like being a kid, like 12, 13 years old and being like, like at awe watching a team play because you don't understand the game too much. But now understanding the game, there isn't that many teams that put me at all when I watch, you know, like I'm like, oh, well, that happened because that there was a breakdown in the secondary or this or this yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the Chiefs are like, it doesn't matter who they go against. Really, they're going to do great things and put me it, it, like and freeze me in my position to watch that game.
0: Right. Like you said, sometimes you can watch a play and sometimes you watch plays and you think like, wow, that was a great throw. Like my favorite thing to do is look at plays and it's like a good defensive play. You think, wow, that cornerback was in perfect position. It was just a better throw. Like uh, Philip Rivers had a touchdown. It was the one that the pass go. I think it was like a 30 yard or something like that. And he was running like a a, like a, a deep crossing route. And instead of like he put it on his back shoulder. But it was a great throw. And, you know, looking at the naked eye, you would think, oh, that was a bad throw. But if you look at where the safety was at, if he would have threw ahead of him, it would have been an incomplete pass or would have been maybe an interception. But he put it on his back shoulder. Pascal was aware enough to, you know, make the adjustment, turn around and still make the catch. And the quarterback was in great position sometimes. The offense to just make a, a really great play. That,
1: that's yeah, I agree. It goes both ways, too. I, I, to bring up uh, some – I don't know if you watch the Pat McAfee football show on YouTube, but they have nah. they have Aaron Rodgers nah. Tuesday. Every Tuesday, win or lose, Aaron Rodgers comes on the show and does, like, a little interview and, like, talks for 30, 40 minutes. And, um, it A, thought he was way more of a douche than he actually is. He, they, it actually gives in – it gives a good <laughs> – like perspective and look into the way into the human he is outside of football, but that's not the point B he did it after, after playing terrible against Tampa Bay this past week. And uh he, I mean, he was like, he going off of what you said about like, it's, if Phillip didn't throw the ball perfectly, it would have been picked and it was in the perfect position, even though it looked like a bad throw, but like his, right. his first interception he broke it down on the Pat McAfee show and he and you know he explained it like from the release to the actual defensive back picking the ball off. And he explained like like when I let go of the ball, I knew that that, that the safety was breaking down and I knew that the corner was breaking in from the outside. So I knew that I had about a foot of space to fit it into Devontae Adams. And and he said, As soon as I yeah. released the ball in my head, I went up, oh, that's gonna be a foot to the left too far and it's just like it it, kind of goes off what you say like it's like I love to watch those plays that where you see like it's literally a game of inches and like if if he would have thrown like he usually does or would have been on target that wouldn't have been a pick and then who knows how that game goes from there or Philip Rivers like if he wouldn't have thrown that ball like you said perfectly to Pascal it would have been a pick or a they could have swatted it, and then they went three and out, or and then that game could have been totally different. And those yeah. are the plays like that, or that that what that's what makes it as a fan like rewarding to watch, especially like a hardcore fan, not just like a a fan that doesn't really know about football.
0: <laughs> right, right. You know, them fans that just you know they watch the Super Bowl every year, but that's pretty much it. So, and they might like they might say, "Oh, I, I like this team," but. They can name a quarterback on the team. And that's pretty you, much
1: you know how team. many people I talk to on a daily basis that say they're football fans, and, and but they're just football fans. They're not fanatics. <laughs> that that's the difference there. Like like right, right. I've played football. Yeah, I cover football. I live football. Like I can tell you, like starters on every roster. You know, like and maybe not every one of them this year because it's been a little sketchy with injuries and and yeah. ops at, and opting out yeah. and stuff like that but like like last year like me and my dad have this running theme every year we we at the beginning week 1 we pick like the top 5 starters for each team of who we think will still be on the team by the end of the year and then we pick the top 5 people that we think will be injured or or released by the end of the year and like i i'm i've done pretty well at like on like knowing everyone on every roster and it's just like it becomes it becomes boring when talking to people that are just like, yeah, I like the Steelers. And I'm like, yeah, like, who'd they play in the last Super Bowl they lost? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, so it's just kind of – it's two different levels of being a fan.
0: It really is. Like, people make fun of me all the time, especially my lady. She always makes fun of me because I remember dates by what was happening in the sports world. Like, I can say, okay, I know we have living here – in 2015 because the Eagles, they started the season against the Falcons and I was at work that day, so like, it's like little things like that where I can say, okay, I know I was in ninth grade yes. because it was the 0-2 season because they're to like, it's just stuff like that I really just, I really remember just, like, that's how I remember things. Like, this pandemic and stuff, like, I guess that's how I'm going to remember things, but with no sports around, I didn't have, I didn't know what date it was, I didn't know what, what month it was, it's just, I'm like, I'm, what, what day is it again? I don't know, is it
1: Right, I'm 11, the same way, except with uh, MMA and UFC. Like I cover both sports. I interview, I interview fighters oh, yeah. and stuff for uh, the UFC and MMA, and I've gotten quite a few like pretty like wealthy names. So, but uh, yeah, yeah, I'm the same way. Like I'll I'll be like, you know, they'll be like, oh, like, do you remember that day in uh, electronics in 11th grade, bro, when you got in that fight or whatever? And I'll be like. I'll be like, oh, like, and this is a true story, though, but I'm like, like, I was talking to my buddy Gabe about this the other day, and he, he he was the one that was there when I got into this fight at at the Votech, the vocational center, and, and, uh, he was like, do you remember that day? And I was like, man, let's like, I got to really think about this. And then I was like, oh, I was like, no, I do remember <laughs> that day. Cause it was a Monday and the Saturday right before that was when Cain Velasquez beat Brock Lesnar for the heavyweight title. Like that, like that, that's Ooh. how my brain.
0: Works. Yeah. <laughs> I can definitely dig that. That's, um, that's some good memory right there. And that's, that's how we have to remember yeah, it, things. It's hard
1: it's hard not to when when your entire life is sports like it, it's really hard not to. I mean, even before covering sports or being a super fan, it was like, like, oh, you like, oh, I remember that year because I played football in the seventh grade. Or I remember that year because that was the game that I broke my arm in. And then, you know, like, et cetera, et cetera. And it's always been like that. <laughs>
0: yeah. How? So I never really got into MMA. How was Brock Lesnar in the MMA? Was he Uh, he, he good? He's good. UFC. He
1: was a good fighter because of his wrestling. Not a great stand-up fighter. um, But he pretty much came at the the right time like he to win bout he had to fight heath herring heath herring was not great he had to fight randy couture to win the title randy couture was also a wrestler that gave up 40 pounds in size to lesnar so it was kind of like oh they're gonna wrestle each other because they're both wrestlers but lesnar is way bigger yeah and like lesnar had some insane like uh college wrestling record of like a hundred wins and five losses so it, it he, yeah, he's he's he was good for his time, but I also, as the game progressed, you got to see like, oh, okay, like it's it's time to move on to the next era of fighters. Because when it came to guys that could stuff the takedown and not wrestle with them and then make them trade on the feet, it, he got knocked out or finished every time.
0: Oh, okay, I got you. Because I, I mean, I was a big wrestling fan when I was a kid, I mean, I still watch it every once in a while, so I, I see Brock Lesnar. Every once in a while, so um, I just wanted to know how he was as a as an actual fighter, or like an actual like UFC fighter, because I never really saw him. I mean, once like Ronda Rousey kind of she kind of put it on the map to me, like when she like really became this huge, and then the star. That's when I was like, wow, this is crazy. And I remember when she got knocked out by Holly Holm. Oh, I follow it all. Like, yeah, cool. that's
1: like that's my number one sport.
0: So. Yeah. Okay, oh, that's dope. Okay, I know. Um. I know a big fight just happened a couple weeks ago when somebody got knocked out. I don't remember his name. Um Are you talking about the spinning kick
1: that was like viral all over the place? That was uh walking yeah, I think Buckley. So, yeah, yeah. The dude caught his foot and he like while the dude was holding his leg in the air, he jumped up and spun and kicked him in the face. It was yeah, yeah. it was it was it went viral oh. immediately. Like Trump was commenting on it and was like, That was insane, like and it, <laughs> It was it was pretty crazy, but <laughs> as a fan, as, as a reporter and a fan for MMA, I'm like, the, the fight to watch, because I'm sure this will appeal to some of the people to even listen to this, Khabib versus Gaethje this weekend is the fight to watch. Even if you're like a casual non-MMA fan, that fight is going to be insane.
0: Okay. I might have to look into that. I know, um, I, I've always said about... The UFC fighters and the MMA fighters, like I don't understand why you would want to do that job. Like to me, it, it just looks way too dangerous. I'm not really a fighter, and I don't want to get kicked in the head. I'm sorry, I don't like. There's just so many things that can happen that can go wrong. I don't know why I would want to put myself. I mean, I position.
1: I understand it. It it definitely takes a uh a specific type of person to do it, but at the same time, like if you want to break down the danger of fighting. It is way less dangerous than football, man. It there's way less concussions. There's way less injuries. There like and it's it's it a really? fact. Like it's wow. uh did, there's some crazy fact. Did you know that every person, even from pee football, like from the little pee wee leagues, seventy percent of people that have played football, even at a pee league level, have some type of CTE. And and. I don't know if you know what CTE oh. is, but I mean, uh, okay, I, I figured you yeah, would because yeah. it's a pretty big thing in yeah. sports today. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. It, it's alarming numbers surrounding football and brain damage. Also, like when when you when you get injured in fighting, it's more it's more surface injuries, cuts, you know, like cuts and and scars and tissue damage, not. It, it, you don't really like you don't see the same thing you do in boxing. Now, boxing's totally different. Boxing applies to the same thing that uh, NFL does, because the NFL, you got this helmet on that when you get hit, your your head and your brain rattles around in it like a shell. Like if you think about like an egg with a baby bird in it and you're just shaking that fucking egg and you can feel it beating off this insides of the thing like it like that's what that's what you're doing to your brain in a helmet now in boxing because of the big gloves it causes the same re, like the the repercussion effect of Bouncing back and forth because of the heavy gloves. MMA it doesn't really do that because the gloves are four ounces. They're pretty much just to stop like like severe like cuts and damage to the eyes and and stuff like that. Like it's oh. as far as danger, pretty safe as long as you're not scared to get knocked out because like that's the one thing that does fuck people up. But at that high yeah. of a level, right, right, honestly. You, you might see two or three knockouts every fight card, and there's, there's you know, 12 to 13 fights. So it's kind of like, it's the same thing that we were just talking about. It's a game of inches. Like, if you get hit on the chin two inches to the right, you're not going to go to sleep. If you get hit on the chin two inches to the left, you're going to go to sleep. So it's, it's the same thing, pretty much. It's huh. definitely, facts-wise, not as dangerous. No one's ever died fighting in MMA, like, compared to boxing or NFL. Uh... It, 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 I, I mean, you're you're not a big fan, so it's hard for me to dive into it with like out being like super descriptive. And I
0: know we we don't got that much time, so I'm gonna just leave it at that. I
1: got
0: you. <laughs> I just wanted to get into the mind of why anybody would like want to do it because, like I say, you know, I watched wrestling as a kid, and you know, wrestling is scripted, so they got ways to not one hundred percent. So I just feel like yeah, hey, and that's entertaining. I, I fought so, though.
1: But MMA is
0: it's not it's not it's not that an MMA MMA is just I'm gonna punch you in the head as hard as I can, I'm gonna knee you, I'm gonna do what I want. It it's just looks dangerous to me. 100 percent dangerous to me. But it's <laughs> but as far as health-wise,
1: yeah. not the most dangerous sport there is amongst the the major sports. And right. I mean, as right. far as you your question about why anybody would want to do it, like mental-wise, like and like what would make them want to do it, it's about it's about the love for competition, but also it's like a primal thing. Like, I don't know if like the, I fought and I know this feeling, so I don't know if anyone or you will understand this, but there's something about it that like, just gets, gets me flowing, gets my blood flowing, gets me up in the morning when I know, like, even though I know I got food in the fridge, but I I apply that to the fight game. And I, and I'm like, okay, if it was me and this guy in the middle of the woods back in 1700 and whoever, whoever wins gets the bone. Like they, that's who gets the food. That, that's that, that shit. I, I got goosebumps right now saying that, like, and, and it's like, it. Uh, that's what gets me the love for it. Because you get to see like, okay, like if there wasn't a ref here, I would choke you until you couldn't breathe no more. And then I get, and then I win. like, and then, I'm the better human. I'm the, I'm the one that's going to run the village. I'm the one that's going to eat, eat today. Not you. Like, and and I think that's just what it is to me. And then the competitive side too, too. It's so technical. Like you, you got like, you know, like a, like foot movement, head movement. Like if you just throw a jab out without moving your head, it, it leaves you open for so many things. If you just dip your head to the left, three inches, and then throw a jab, it creates, like, so many patterns in another guy's head that is like, okay, now I got to know that he's going to dip his head there, so I got to throw there. And then you don't dip your head there next time. Like, and then they're fucked. And it's just, it's like, it's a game of chess when you're fighting someone, if they're good. Now, if they suck, they're just going to run at you and just, like, throw stupid haymakers and windmill punches. And it's just, (laughs) that's when it gets ugly, and that's why – I do understand that a lot of people don't appeal to it like you that much because it is it it does kind of look barbaric at that point. But if you watch some of the greatest fighters, it's it 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 looks like a masterpiece, like Anderson Silva and like John Jones and and those guys. Like it doesn't look like, oh my god, this is so violent. Like it it just kinda looks like 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 a sparring match that they're just so much better in, and you're just watching something
0: beautiful happen. Uh right, right. Uh, I appreciate the uh the raw emotion and the, the going into the detail because again, I, I don't really understand this. So I yeah, I you. mean that that's definitely
1: what I'm most passionate about, but you know Steelers football and football in general comes in a solid second.
0: Right, right. Right, right. <laughs> You um, I do want to ask you one question before I let you go because me and my lady was arguing about this yesterday. So, do you ever just you know you are sitting down bored and you looking on YouTube? Do you ever like watching old football games from nope. like twenty thirty years ago? Nope. No, you don't do it.
1: To, you know, to be honest, unless if I'm going back to to do research, like if if I know that I'm going to be on a show, like if you would have hit me up about this show and you were like, "Yo, we're gonna be talking about Ty Hilton today," I would go back and probably watch like some like a lot of. I I would look up like you know week six two thousand eighteen, week six two thousand seventeen, week six two 2016, weeks, and then and I would watch some of those games and some of his key plays in those games, but. Other than that, I feel like yeah. it's too inf- too much information for me. Like if I go back and I'm rewatching all these games and there's just going to be so much shit boggling around in my mind that I'm I'm going to mess up and forget something. And I do that enough. As you can see, like right. I'm saying that the Miami was playing the Ravens instead of the Rams. Simple R, like the, the simple oh, yeah. words starting with the letter R made me think of a totally different team. Right, like, right, so <laughs> I, I try to keep it as yeah. simple as I can with as much
0: information as you obtain
1: every day in sports.
0: Yes, for sure. It's, um, it is a lot. I, um, I know you have the Sunday ticket. Can you rewatch yeah, game yeah, from can, like you know, the you, you can pretty much watch whatever you
1: want. Um, also, it helps. Like, I I usually I don't usually use Sunday Ticket to rewatch games. I I use them to watch the live games, and then pretty much after yeah. the week's done, they're all on YouTube, like from beginning to end anyway. And you don't have to worry about commercials and stuff. So I just use
0: YouTube. <laughs> yeah, true. I um so I have I have Game Pass. I had to pay a hundred dollars for Game Pass, and like as soon as the game was over, the full game is on there. I usually just watch the condensed version where it shows you every single play. It takes like forty minutes to get through. Man, I don't watch like a lot of times. Like you said, sometimes if it's games like the um, I'm trying to think of a game from last week that didn't really matter as much, like Washington and the Giants, I'll I watch the little nine minute video on YouTube. But if it's like a good game, like Tennessee and Houston, I watch the condensed version where I want to see every single play. Or, you know, the Eagles game, I usually rewatch that game, but that's what I usually do on Game Pass because like I work on Sundays, so uh, like, I'm not home during the games to like sit and watch TV during the game. So like my best bet is to i like you know what, I'll catch up on it later. Like I can watch any game I want when I go home. And the best thing about it, it goes all the way back to two thousand and nine. And I'm a historian, so like if I wanted to go back and say like I want to rewatch the Eagles game when they came back against the Giants in 2010. I want to watch that miracle in the middlelands I can go back to 2010. I can go to Week 15, and I can watch him... the whole game and relive that uh, again. Uh, yeah, sorry, sorry. I just yeah. want before
1: you go on. I want to add. I want to let you know what you're doing there is exactly how sports TV production is run. They they make a list. At, you know how you see highlights on ESPN and a guy like, okay, this week the Texans at Colts, like. DeAndre Hawkins threw for 349 yards, and then you'll see like like the highlights playing as the guy is talking through it. Um, yeah. That is all constructed yeah. off exactly what you just explained in TV production. They they have a they they log every single play in, in of every single game, and they condense it down, cut out the in betweens in the c- commercials and stuff, and then when they when they know oh okay like we're we're gonna have a piece on DeAndre Hopkins this week that they go back and they look through the logs the game logs of every play and they watch like games the condensed versions of games, and then they pick the best plays to add to the highlight for deandre hopkins that 's exactly how like so you're definitely doing something that's super effective and efficient for what you're doing with the podcast and stuff like it's it 's literally how tv production is run like that's my degree i'm in for sports tv and media so in college and learning about all this right now and it's like it just like kind of like you know i just wanted to give you kudos on that because you don't even know about sports tv production and you're doing it exactly how they do it so i figured i would like let you know you're definitely
0: on the right path there (laughs) oh cool thank you thank you i um well, because yesterday I was watching a game from 2000. It was the Eagles. The Eagles playing the Cowboys. Because every once in a while, I just have to watch a game when the Eagles beat the Cowboys because it makes me feel better. So, and you know, my lady was making fun of me if I like, anybody else does this. And I'm thinking like, this video has 308 views. I'm not the only one watching it. Like 300 other people are watching this game. So, I really thought like, if you said you you did watch it. I was going to let it hear this part and play it for her, but Okay, so <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, there, like I said, the information side to it, like is just so much that it's way easier to see a game log. And instead of watch 40 minutes of each play, you just like a game log just to give you a quick, brief explanation of it is literally just it says first and 10 on the Colts eight-yard line Indianapolis ball. And then the next box will say, Andrew Luck yeah. throws eight yards to Naeem Hines for a first down. Ball on the 44 or 42 of Houston now, and then the next box is the outcome. Like Texans still up 14-7, and then you just you read through those, yep. and, and it gives you all the information you need. And then if you know if you see. Oh, Colts, 80-yard touchdown, and you know it's a big play. Or, like, T.Y. Hilton injured on the play. And then you can go and grab, and you pull up that condensed game version, go exactly to the time slot that you read about T.Y. Hilton getting injured, and then you go directly to that one play where he got injured, and you pull it for your show. Like, and, like, that. That that's when – when you're working on multiple sports and covering every team and shit, like yeah. I, I, I couldn't watch all yeah. of, of the uh, games like that, like condensed and go back and watch like I logging games really gives me a lot of help and other people that do this are like way it, it, it condenses a lot of what you got to do. A lot of the time consuming
0: things yeah it is it is a uh, it's tough so and it's like really time consuming like if I didn't have a child, I probably could just sit and watch football all day, but it's it's a little tougher but um, it's funny what you said about angel luck because I remember before this is what it is like about a lot of information and when the pandemic hit, I really wasn't paying attention to any sports and I wasn't watching e s p n because there was nothing to talk about, so i like I forgot a lot of stuff i had to there' a lot of stuff about football I really had to like remind myself about it. I remember when the season was about to start and I'm looking at the coach. I'm thinking, oh, Andrew Luck, like Andrew Luck. But then it literally hit me. I'm like, oh, yeah, he retired a couple years ago. Like, I totally forgot, like, for, like, an entire, like, 10 minutes that Andrew Luck had, like, right when the season was about to start. He was just like, nah, I'm out of here. Like, too many injuries, like, I'm done. So and that's one of them guys. Like, um, him, uh, I think Luke Keeley had a lot of injuries. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, we can go back to Barry Sanders. Like, a lot of football players, they retired, like, way early so they can, you know reserve some of that 100%
1: yeah funny that you said that about this season I forgot there were so many main player changes this season that like I was I like I forgot Philip Rivers was a cult this year I forgot that that Tyrod Taylor was the original starting quarterback for the Chargers I like like so many of those that I was like when it started, I was like, oh, I'm going to really have to pay attention this
0: season. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a lot. Of, it was a lot of guys. And I was just like, I forgot that he went to that team. And I remember it was like that during the, um, I don't know yeah, if you remember the lockout from 2011. Yeah. Yes. And like right when the lockout ended, so many free, like it was like a million free agents, like. Things, decisions being made within like the first hour. Like within the first 20 minutes, there were just this play one here, this play one here. I'm just like, I want to up about Speaking it's too much. of the lockout, Uh, quick question before we
1: go. Um, A lot of the analysts on ESPN and stuff are predicting a really, really heavy free agency right before the trade deadline or like, or trading. They're, they're expecting a lot of activity based off of the activity on the trade before the trade deadline in the 2011 season right after the lockout. So they're thinking like the COVID thing was kind of like a weird scenario that created a lot of injuries. And it was kind of like its own lockout before the season started. And right. like, so they're, they're, they're right. predicting that ton, like there's going to be massive activity in the, like approaching the trade deadline because of that 2011 season that's seen so many people get traded bef- right at the trade deadline. Do you think that's going to be a big
0: thing this season? Uh I, it's funny good. I mean, maybe with COVID like you said, but usually historically yeah, the trade deadline it, of football it, that's really isn't, that's that's why it's isn't much. that's why I ask cuz it's
1: usually it's it's usually a very boring time of year. And but they're like looking at the numbers and seeing their arguments on ESPN about it and other shows and, like the, the, the most active year in the last 10 years of the trade deadline was the 2011 lockout and then heading into that season and then heading into the trade deadline. And this year it's kind of like a similar thing that, but also uh, it's created way more injuries. So I feel like if we see like, right. like you guys, you guys just lost Miles Sanders for a couple weeks. Uh, if you, you already know, you've already experienced it at the beginning of this year, Boston Scott and your other backups, ain't the guy that's going to be able to carry the team like miles. And it's like, so if they were able, like some of the crazy trades that we've seen in recent years, like Deandre Hopkins for a fourth or a sixth round pick or whatever that was, uh, like, like, I could see a lot of teams that just need a situational guy to fill in for an injured guy trade like a, a late draft pick and end up getting a lot
0: a, like a, a pretty good name, right? I will say, uh, running back is probably the easiest position to transition to. So, if we were to trade for a running, back. I, I, I could, could with 100 with Miles San- Miles Sanders
1: is one of my favorite running backs in the NFL because of the way he plays, because he's because he does. He does it all. He, he and he but with the way he's been getting injured and beat up this year, I would definitely trade like Boston Scott and like a fourth round, fifth round pick for someone that's like worth it. And and I mean you're gonna get it because you see I mean, like the Andre Hawkins, there's so many examples that like in the last five years that super good players have gotten traded for hardly nothing. Yeah, and right. And I think that's that. That that right, we're going right. to see a lot
0: of that this approaching
1: the deadline this year.
0: I hope so. Hope we can make a nice little deal because we definitely need it. I mean, you're looking at our roster off like our defensive roster is like pretty intact. Malik Jackson just got hurt, but that's pretty much it. But our offense, I mean, we're without Alshon, we're without Deshaun. we're without Rager, we're without Ertz and Goddard. Now we're without Jason Peters, we're without Lane Johnson, we're without. But we were without Matt Prior. He probably won't play this week because he was on a COVID list, and it's like a short week, so it's going to be really tough for him to play. And then we're without uh Miles Sanders now, so it's just it's just really tough. Like I was saying, Mallow, like our, our whole like if you look at the roster, the only starters left are Wentz and Kelsey. That's it. Like everyone else is our backups. They they were not starters yeah. coming into this week. Was this. Hey, season. the it's one shining season. star of and all that is
1: Travis Fulgram is now going to be a starter. For the rest of his career, probably, unless if he gets yeah. injured, but
0: that's right. I hope so. I hope. I hope when these receivers come back that they don't. They should like not. try to push him to the side because he's better. Yes, like he's better than any other receiver that. I mean. Deshaun, he's probably even if he comes back, he's just going to get hurt again. I was trying to slow, he doesn't with, he don't have the same ability anymore. Only thing I would say, like, give me Fulgham with give what, me what range, I've like, seen. Take that like, from Fulgham that you three weeks in a row now. The kid
1: is he's got speed, he's got elite route running, and he's got elite hands. Mm-hmm. Like, he he there's if he doesn't if he gets pushed back down the depth chart when guys return in philly he needs to request a trade and go somewhere because he could he could literally be a superstar right. like he he show he's shown it three yeah. weeks in a row now and two weeks with touchdowns and huge games and right. and and, right. and not to mention not to bag on your team a little but it's all he's also not having the greatest carson wentz throw him the football he's 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 the one that's getting wide open for Wentz to make easy throws he you know it's not like it's not like in years past where like oh like Alshon Jeffrey would go up for a jump ball and Wentz would put it in the perfect position to where like the no matter what the defense wasn't going to be able to get no it's Travis Fulgram leaving the defense in the dust and getting wide open for Wentz so I think like the the worth and the value that fulgum brings to that team is i think we're going to just see it grow exponentially throughout the year
0: yeah for sure i know um yeah, I about to say don't something. you hate I'm when that happens nice <laughs> i i've done it like yeah, okay. <laughs> i've
1: done it like three times during this podcast but i just keep rambling because like i'm like can't keep can't create dead space can't right, create right. dead space like <laughs>
0: Dang, I had a good point, too. Like, what was it? Oh, that's what it was. Okay, so right before the half, they, they threw a Hail Mary, like, right before halftime, and he was, like, this close to catching that ball, too. Like it, like, it was in his hands. He had it in his grasp, but then, like, once he hit the ground, it kind of fell out. But I'm just thinking, if he would have made that catch as well, I mean, give this man the greatest receiver of all time, with e- and he was history right down. Like, Mike Quick, Calvin Williams, like, uh, Harold Carmichael, T.O., like, like, just give him, like, this man is the GOAT. Like, this is my favorite player right now. I can't wait. wait. I can't wait to buy his yeah, jersey. Uh, I I'm, buy a jersey I, I'm not an Eagles fan, but I would
1: agree there's a few players throughout the NFL that you, you're just – you're super high on and you love to watch right now. And he is definitely 100% one of them. Right. Like, the other one I got the, – the only other guy that I'm, like, super – Chase Claypool, he's been going off week to week. And – and – uh I'm curious yeah. to see how Le'Veon Bell does after having a crappy 2020 start with the Jets, but that that's, you, you can't really blame it on him. There's, that's one thing I did want to bring up before we go. The amount of players that have been absolutely horrible under Adam Gase and then go somewhere else or, or Adam Gase <laughs> left the dolphins did amazing after they didn't weren't under Adam Gase. So I I don't think it's a Le'Veon Bell issue. I think it's, a, it's I think not. it's an Adam Gase issue. I mean, there's it's not. you can look at Devontae Parker when he was in his rookie year with Gase. Freaking everyone called him a bust because they didn't know how to use him. Um, Ryan Tannehill had one of the worst seasons ever as a quarterback on Miami with Gase. Now two back to back seasons in a different yeah. scheme, and he's playing amazing football. Um, there, I mean, the names go on and on and on. I'm just kind of like Sam Darnold, you know, like there's so many players that are going to be that have already or are currently being totally wasted by Adam Gase. It's almost like that Bill O'Brien with Deshaun Watt. Like, like I know that they went to the playoffs and I know that they had good games and they had good seasons, but with the yeah. team that Deshaun had around him with DeAndre yeah. and Will and, and, uh, when they had a, a few good, healthy running backs that were supposed to be good, but then ended up not being great. And, like, they, they should have done way better for DeAndre or, De, or for Deshaun than they, than they ended up doing until Bill got fired. I feel like it's the same thing with Adam Gase. If you're, a, if you're on a Bill O'Brien team or an Adam Gase team, you, you can just bet that your career is going to be wasted.
0: Right, yeah, I saw somebody call um Le'Veon Bell like a, a bust and say he's washed up, and I'm thinking like, have you watched? Like, don't look, just look at the numbers and just say, oh, he's washed up. You got to watch these games. He don't, he doesn't have anybody blocking for him. Like, he, there's, there's no way he can. <laughs> I see deal him with in it being office. a Pittsburgh no fan
1: and living in the city of Pittsburgh, bro. Every day, people, yeah, glad we don't got him no more. He's garbage, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, like just to let you guys know. Bell, if he would come back to Pittsburgh, he would be doing better than James Conner. Just saying. Like, and that's coming from For a sure, diehard yeah. Pittsburgh fan that actually gets paid to cover the Pittsburgh Steelers, not just a fan. Like, and right. like he he right. would do he now right. James Conner has through six games, he's had three games of a hundred yards plus and a touchdown. But I, I think with Bell, he would be doing way better. And it just blows my mind that people are calling him washed up after he sat out one year with Pittsburgh and did amazing the season before that. Had an actually decent year last year with the Jets. Like, it wasn't horrible because I had him in fantasy. So I know, like, he, 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 now he didn't run for 100 yards a game, but he was involved in the passing game heavy, the check down game, and he, he actually put up some decent numbers fantasy wise so it wasn't wasn't an all around bad year that's why they kept right. him on that's why they didn't get rid of him in the off season now this year it's just i mean his last game with the jets before he was released he had he had, he finished with like 77 yards and that was be, and i and everyone was calling him trash and i'm like anybody that can run for 77 yards on 15 touches behind that line is not <laughs> trash like like
0: I was gonna say, like, I'm pretty sure his last game he did pretty good. I mean, I don't think he, I don't think he ever got a hundred yards. Yeah, well, rushing yards, but it, there's no, way – like I said, there's and no now way now he he's could in the he perfect place because even so. if
1: he doesn't get as many touches, it's gonna maximize the the uh, effectiveness
0: of when he gets the ball. Yeah, and, uh Andy Reid, he is a good play caller. He's a good play I dishonor, think so. He's gonna. Yeah, the way he's going to use both of them. I see a lot of Le'Veon be Bell lining line. up in the slot. I think, I, I,
1: yeah, he also yeah, yeah. I he's a think great, I think he's going to look at the way that the Steelers used him for two or three seasons, or however long that was, and and he's smart enough to go, oh, okay, I was in Philly those years. Okay, okay, like I I know what to do here. Like and and like he, you know, it, it's. I know Philly versus Pittsburgh ain't a big rivalry, but it's big enough that, like, I, I, I've heard enough about it from people that cover Philly, that cover Pittsburgh, that are, you know, like, that I've interviewed. And, like, it's definitely a thing. When Philly does something good, Pittsburgh is like, oh, okay. Like, like we, we got to make sure we add that into our playbook. Like, and, and it's, it's definitely, <laughs> yeah, but... I, I feel like Bell – Will do super well with Andy Reid, but I think that he's not going to run the ball as much. That's the other thing. Because uh, Edwards Hilaire, I, that's right, right? I, I know last time I was on here, I kept saying Hilaire Edwards. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Edwards Hilaire yeah. <laughs> is, he's an ex, he's a good pass catcher, but he's an exceptional runner of the football. Bell is the opposite. Great rusher but exceptional at pass catching so it's like it, it, I feel like that's going to be like the, the the key there they're never going to know like with Bell in the slot and Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the backfield who's it going to go to is it going to be an RPO to Bell or is it going to be an RPO and they hand it off like it's it's going to be it's going to add a whole new dynamic to Patrick Mahomes' offense. Yeah, it's going to be scary, man. It's like defending that team. Once teams will approach that the same way. Oh, we got to watch. We still got to watch Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And then Bell is going to kill him underneath from the slot and from running in from the backfield. And he's going to kill teams. And then they're going to go, well, shit, we got to start chipping down to block to cover Bell. And then who's going who's, who's to help double Tyreek over the top or double tra- Travis Kelsey? Like, teams are screwed. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I think yeah, that they're I'm gonna, gonna win worse, the Super man. Bowl and I think Bell signing kinda just like put the uh cherry on
0: top of the cake for that team. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely gonna be fun. But um yeah, I guess we said you said at
1: the beginning um, we almost went. Two hours last time. We're gonna keep it shorter, and then we hit an hour and twenty-five. So we kind of didn't work. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much right. (laughs) Yeah, right. Uh, Maybe next time we go, go, just cut off like five minutes every time we do it.
0: Right, right. Right, right. (laughs) Cool. All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Mike. Definitely gonna talk again and like you said when you have your podcast you want to talk football heck yeah if anyone you know, listens you know and wants to follow anything about mma or
1: nfl etc follow me at fb.me believe you can podcast and uh yeah i'm on i'm on chris's page and stuff so just check me out and thanks and thanks for having me